You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. And Mary, after our discussion from yesterday, you had a few things in your lawyerly way that you wanted to bring up, right? <laughs> well, I just hate to make mistakes. So here's a couple of corrections from yesterday. I said that um, the 17 attorneys general that were on the case were trying to do like a joinder and become like uh, plaintiffs in the case principals, but actually they join that case as amicus. And if you remember, we talked about that as being a friend of the court. And since then, um, there have been multiple friends of the court, um, one of which I think we'll talk about in a little bit, which is 100, just over 100 or just 100 uh, Congress uh, people, uh, congressmen and women who've joined on as amicus. And one of the other things I said is that I kept saying it was Arizona, but actually it's Wisconsin. So I did this morning read the Wisconsin response, their brief. Um, And I think you had said something like, well, one of those AGs say, write on a piece of paper and say, are you kidding me? And it was a little longer and more thoughtful than that. But in some ways it was a little bit of like, are you kidding me? I also read this really interesting brief filed by Ohio. So if you, um, you may or may not have heard that Ohio did not join with the other 17 uh, attorneys general, they did file a brief though. And they said that basically the brief was on the relief that Texas had requested and say, you know, the Ohio's point being the federal court's lack the authority to order a legislature to appoint electors, meaning that the Constitution says that the legislators pick the, in a particular state, pick the process, which then picks the electors. And there's no judicial authority to interfere in that. It's a very interesting and clever way to do that. And at the same time, seven Democratic states have filed amicus briefs opposing what Texas has done. So when you go to the docket, not that many people want to do this, (laughs) the Supreme Court docket, it's just pages and pages and pages of um, lawyers writing why Texas should or shouldn't be able to do what Texas is trying to do. So that was my um, corrections. Well, and and I appreciate that because, you know, it's not only a complicated matter, it's a real matter of life or death for this country. And a couple of days ago, uh, when the Texas AG filed this, I think all of us thought, okay, you know, he's a little bit of a crazy guy. Let the crazy guy do what he wants. And then when 17 states join that, we think, okay, there are a lot of crazy guys, but that's a little scary. But these are 100 not just people you meet at Walmart. These are 100 members of the Congress of the United States doing it. I got to tell you, in my mind, I don't think we're nuts. This is an organized coup. 
And you hear from the president, just tweeted out uh, earlier this morning, he said directly, we have to depend on the Supreme Court to overturn the results of this election. You know, we love the way he always says the quiet thing out loud, that if Joe Biden, who he criticizes now as being corrupt, I love when Donald Trump says somebody else is, is corrupt, that he can't be president because he's too corrupt. Therefore, the courts need to step in and overturn this. I Is there another definition to a coup? No, and... Um, I mean, we talked about sedition the other day, and sedition essentially means that you're, you're, uh, how to say that? I mean, it's a, it's a little different than treason, only to the extent that it's defined as like conduct or speech that is inciting people to rebel. It's the the incitement rather than the act itself. However, I was interested to see that the AG from Pennsylvania said that um, that this case was a seditious use of the judicial process. So I think people are, t- serious people are talking seriously <laughs> about what it means to have one political party. And that doesn't mean every Republican, because some of these folks in these states that we're talking about are Republicans. But the leader of that political party, who happens to also be the president, acting and trying to use the judicial system to overturn the will of the people. And that goes to the very heart, doesn't it, John, of what, you know, if if sedition is overturning or acting against the authority of the state, the people in our system are the state. And, you know, the the state has no um, right to exist but what the people give it. And if the people have voted in significant numbers for candidate A as opposed to candidate B, then any attempt to overturn that, that's a seditious act. Well, it is, but, you know, that leads me to something that's been on my mind. The people, 80 million-plus people voted for for Joe Biden, but 70 million-plus people voted for Donald Trump. Now, all 70 million do not think the election should be overturned. I'm going to give you that. But there are a significant number of people who do think that we should abandon our democracy and allow the court to, or urge the court to overturn this. And, and I'm, I'm wondering why. I've really been thinking about that. You know, and we hear, well, Republicans are doing this because they're afraid of Donald Trump. I, okay, Partly. Donald Trump's a bully. He can do things. But Donald Trump by himself is not enough to scare these Republicans. What we're really saying is those people who support Donald Trump, all the way from his big donors to the people who feel the rallies, all those people who would support one of these candidates being primary, I, I think they're the ones that the Republicans are really afraid of as compared to just Donald Trump personally. Am I right in that? No, I agree with you 100%. It's their voters they're afraid of because they don't want to lose their job, their (laughs) collective jobs. And, um, you know, the project that Donald Trump had embarked upon was to discredit the press and the institutions of government. And I think 
that the success, his success, is indicated in the fact that 75% of Republicans, some number like that, do not believe in the results of the election. In other words, they thought it was fraud that benefited Biden, and that was how Biden won. That's an enormous number of people, and I don't think you get there just on this one thing happening. I think you get there, John, when you've been told repeatedly for the last four years, and then, you know, this is maybe part of a bigger Republican project, and we've talked about that before, to um, dismantle and, um, and what's the other word I'm looking for, you know, to, to make the institutions that we rely on not credible. So if I think that all people who run the government are liars and cheaters and that Joe Biden is a liar and a cheater and all Democrats are bad, evil, and eat children, then I can easily believe that they would cheat to steal the election. And your voters, whether you believe it or not, are going to hold you to that account. So if I'm Joe Blow congressman in Kansas, can I risk saying, that's crazy talk? Well, I don't think they can, no, because and, they'll not get reelected. And I'm going to go a step further. Back, you know, when I used to teach, I'd teach how to write uh, an essay, <clears throat> I'd teach about writing a thesis statement. And I used to tell my students, you have to make a bold, clear statement of a position. I'm about to give you a thesis statement and take it for what it's worth. I think that there has to be something of such overwhelming importance, moral importance, justice importance, that is worth these tens of millions of people to say to themselves, we are willing to give up part of our democracy, part of who we are as a people. Now, what is it that is so important that we're willing to give those things things up? And to do that, I'm going to go to a, a man that maybe not everybody knows about. His name is Cardinal Chaput, C-H-A-P-U-T. He used to be the Archbishop of Philadelphia. He's retired now, but he just came out of retirement again a few days ago to write another letter about why... Joe Biden should not be given communion. Now, I know this seems like kind of a small thing within the church, but he cares uh, about this. And he's really upset that anybody, any bishop, would say that Joe Biden should get communion because, I have this right in front of me, that they might do it without clearly teaching the gravity of his, Joe Biden's, listen to the words, facilitating the evil of abortion and his approval of same-sex relationships. And he goes on later to say, it's true to his credit, Joe Biden's done a lot of good things. He's credited good causes. However, many of his actions and words have supported, supported and smoothed the way for grave moral evils that have resulted in the destruction of millions of innocent lives. Okay, you want my bold and clear position? I think for a substantial part of this country, Abortion and homosexuality are such grave evils that they say somewhere in their own hearts, are we destroying democracy? Maybe, but that is not as bad 
as permitting a president who's going to allow those evils to go on. What do you think of them beans, huh? Well, that's a that's an interesting um, proposition that needs to be pulled apart. Of course, you always say this stuff when we have like three minutes left. <laughs> yeah, that's how much time <laughs> I give you. <laughs> but but it is. Um, I think when you were saying that, I was thinking to myself, you know, who is a higher power, and the higher power is God. And if I am doing what I'm doing to benefit, you know, God's kingdom that's more important than the kingdom here on earth or the democracy that we say we're supportive and love. And I think that's something we need to dive into a little bit more. But as we end the week, I, I have this question that I think we need to answer is what should the Supreme court do? And I'm going to answer this by saying on another correction yesterday, I said, Supreme court's just going to dismiss it out of hand. I don't believe that's what the Supreme Court should do. I think the Supreme Court should take a vessel, and I'm going to say this vessel is Amy Coney Barrett, who those folks listen to and say, regardless of how we may feel about either candidate, the system is the system is the system. And there is no basis, not just for this lawsuit or for the government to overturn any, you know, any branch of government to overturn the will of the people, because we are a country based on the will of the people. And if they came out with the unanimous position written by her, I think that would put an end to it. Okay. Can I put this here? Okay. Can we do this? Uh, can we add to your statement, which I think is very good, an instruction from the highest card of court in the land, to the bar, to all lawyers, because in, in some way, all lawyers kind of report to the Supreme Court, right? They have a responsibility to the courts. Am I well, wrong to, in that? Well, well, to their state court, technically. To, but yes, we are all officers of the of, courts. Of the court. What if the Supreme Court says, in addition, we are specifically instruct instructing the officers of the court of this land to stop it. Do not file any more of these totally trivial, no facts whatsoever. It is time that this country pulls together and we as a court are going to exercise that moral leadership. And and actually, um, both the Supreme Court through the federal rules of civil procedure and all state courts through the state court rules of civil procedure have a way to do that. It's called a violation of Rule 11, they can sanction those lawyers, and they should. And it's interesting, my text conversations with all my lawyer friends this week has been Rule 11, Rule 11, Rule 11. Wow, that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I do want to point out to our listeners that whenever my sister does not like what I've had to say, she says, okay, we're going to talk about something else. Which, which is what just happened. She just pulled a rule 11 on me. This, this has been going on since we were little kids. You know, I'd say, Mary Jo, what about this? And she's, I'm sorry, John, rule 11. Okay. All right. I'll talk. All to right. You. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.